Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. We're starting a brand new series called Relationships Reboot, and Pastor Christy is kicking things off. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Good morning, Kingdom Church. Okay, I am really excited to be up here. I'm excited for a couple different reasons. Number one, because this is a rare occurrence. I'm not usually up here, and so it's a privilege to be up here speaking today. The second reason I'm excited is because we are beginning, like Harrison said, a brand new series called Relationship Reboot. You guys can, actually don't take a seat yet, let me read. We're gonna read from Genesis 2. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you don't have your Bibles, we're gonna have the verses uh, on the big screen uh, behind me. Genesis 2 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Verse 8, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Skipping to verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You guys can take a seat. I just want to welcome everybody that is here listening to us, whether you're joining us online or listening on our podcast. We are just one big family, so welcome to Kingdom Church. I want to talk to you guys today on a thought called Take It Back. Somebody say, Take It Back. Let's just pray. Dear Jesus, this is your house. We are your people, and we're just sitting here with our hearts open and in expectation that you are changing in our lives today. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right, so when we were talking about doing another relationship series, I got really excited. I love talking about relationships. I love sharing relationships, listening about relationships, and I believe that God created us with a need for relationships, for different kinds of relationships in our lives. I also believe that relationships are the one thing in our lives that can cause us the most hurt and heartache, but also the most joy and happiness. Throughout this relationship series, we're going to be talking on a lot of things relating to marriage, but this isn't a marriage series. It's a relationship series. So our hope for this series is to completely reboot. Completely reboot. You know, like on your computer, when you have to restart your computer, you just like press the button, and then it just like starts back up. This isn't a restart, it's a reboot. It's like holding down your button so that you get a clear slate, you start fresh. It's a complete reboot. We are redefining relationships in this series. So today I want to talk about something that will give us the ability to understand relationships, how they were created to be. And my hope for today is that in understanding relationships, it will change the quality of our relationships. And in changing the quality of our relationships, it will change the quality of our lives. So if you're ready, say, let's do this. Okay, if you're ready, say, let's do this. Harrison and I moved to St. Albert about, give or take, four months ago. Yeah. 
And when we moved here, we had to buy quite a bit of new furniture to fill our new house. And the majority of the furniture in our older house, I would say probably like 90% of the furniture was passed down to us, which we were super thankful for. But it wasn't exactly my style. So moving into this new house, it kind of gave me like a fresh, clean start. And as we bought the house, I literally started picturing how I wanted each room to be, how I wanted to decorate it, what kind of decor and furniture I wanted in it. Now, Harrison and I are pretty similar, but we differ on a couple things. He is the kind of guy that he knows what he wants and he goes for it. And so he's the kind of guy that wants to go to one store and furnish our entire house in like one minute, in one day. He wants it furnished. He knows what he wants and gets it. Example, he wanted me, he married me. He wanted to start a church, he started a church. He wants to move to St. Albert, he moved to St. Albert. But I, on the other hand, I, I would say I'm opposite of him. I need to sit on things, to analyze things, to suss them out, to take like two months of writing my pros and my cons. So, so furnishing our house has been a little bit of a struggle. So what happened is we bought this sectional for our front, our, our main living room. And we both decided that we needed a carpet for it. And so we loaded our whole family in the car and we headed to Bianca Amor. Sounds fancy, right? It's a liquidation superstar. Anyways, I'm not joking. I'm literally not joking. The moment that I stepped out of the car, Harrison had already picked a carpet that he wanted to check out and come home with. And given it, sometimes I like, I sit in the back seat between the two girls' car seats because they don't love their car seats. And for me to get out, I have to crawl over the front console and then exit the passenger side and then like go around to the back passengers side. So given by the time I had made it into the store, I'd given them like probably a 60 second lead way. And it's okay that he picked out a carpet, but the thing was, it wasn't the carpet that I was picturing in my head. It wasn't really what I had envisioned to go in that room. I wanted something like light and bright and white. This carpet was like dark and gray and dark. And so I sat there, I stood there, we stood there for probably about 40 minutes analyzing this carpet. And what I was analyzing is if I could do something to this carpet to make it fit into the picture that I had in my head, to make it live up to the expectations that I wanted that front room to have. The pressure got to me and I walked out of the store with the carpet. And the whole ride home, I was just trying to see like, okay, what can I change? Can I change maybe the picture frames or the pillowcases or just something to make it fit into my expectations? The moment we got it home and laid it out, I was disappointed. Every time I came down my staircases, I was disappointed. That being said, this carpet was not living up to my expectations. Not at all. <laughs> the carpet in and of itself, it was fine. It was soft and big. It was a great price. But it just wasn't living up to my expectations, and it never did. I ended up selling it on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> all this to say is that this carpet wasn't fitting into the picture that I had. 
It wasn't fitting into the picture that I had envisioned in my mind. And each time I looked at the carpet, I was let down because I was, I was trying to make the carpet into something that it was never meant to be. I was trying to make it into something that it was never meant to be. Statistics say that in Canada, there's a 42% divorce rate within marriages, a 40% of infidelity within dating relationships, and a 17% rate of infidelity within marriage. And the average friendship only lasts about four years long. I could go on and on and on about the statistics of these failed relationships because they literally go on and on and on. But what I want to do is I want to paint a picture of what happens when people, when we, try and make relationships into something that they were never meant to be. I wonder if these statistics are so rampant because we're worshiping a creation instead of the creator. We're worshiping relationships and the people within them instead of the God who made them. You see, we all learn from relationships through experience, through broken homes, romantic comedies, The Bachelor, fairy tales when we're just small, and these culture-created fantasies. And what we do is we try to attempt to fit relationships into this box that we've created, that we've manipulated, that we have tried to fix. And when they don't live up to the expectations that we had, we're let down. We're dissatisfied, we're disheartened, and we're disappointed. Many of us might relate to this thing called the honeymoon phase. And if you've been there, you've been there and done that you realize that it goes away. Those butterflies, those intense feelings, those intense emotions, that heart beating, those sweaty palms, it only lasts so long. And what the majority of us do is we then go searching to try to get that feeling back. And time and time again, we put counterfeits into our lives trying to fill that desire within us trying to fill that aching that we have in our heart, that feeling that there must be something more. Thankfully, the person that created us and created relationships has given us this thing called the Bible, and it gives us these principles that we can take into our lives to overcome the problems that we're going through. It gives us just this deeper understanding and deeper insight. So today, I want to reboot and take it back to the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 27. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Genesis 2, 7. says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust. From what? The dust. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's our very first point. Our definition is in the dust. Our definition is in the dust. One of the biggest reasons we fail in relationships is because we have a clouded picture of who we are. And this clouded picture of who we are clouds our judgment, clouds our decisions, clouds our priorities, and gives us a clouded idea of what we deserve. 
whether we think that we have this clouded pictures consciously or subconsciously, if we look back, the patterns in our lives show us that there was cloud. The statistics show us what the clouded vision can do. So as we completely reboot, we need to see that even at the most basic, the most primitive level as dust, we had value. God gave us value. The Bible says God formed man in his own image. He then formed the woman from the man's rib, looked at them both, and said, this is very good. I don't know if you caught that we were originally created from dust. God took something that was nothing and made it into something. He took what was nothing and made it into something and defined it as good, as valued, as treasured, as complete, as whole, as loved. We are no longer just dust. We're no longer just particles. God defined us before anything else ever could. We're not dependent on circumstances or relationships to define us. God has already done that, but what do we do? We depend on relationships and circumstances to define us. And it clouds the picture of ourselves. Have you ever asked yourself why you can feel inadequate as a CEO of your dream job? Or lonely when you're in a marriage? Or isolated when you're surrounded by people? Or how you can have low self-esteem when you got the exact body that you wanted? or you can feel disappointed and neglected when you got what you wanted sexually. I wonder if this is because we allow relationships, circumstances, likes, followers to redefine our definition, to redefine our happiness, our purpose, our value. And I wonder if we always feel underappreciated, undervalued, unworthy, because we're allowing these things to define us. We're trying to find our definition outside of God. And the thing is, you'll never be able to find it because there's nothing that satisfies us the way that God does. You cannot define something that already has a definition. We weren't defined before we were walking we weren't defined after we were walking or talking or after we got married or got an A on our paper. God defined us before we were anything and before we did anything. God took what was nothing and made it into something and because of that, we need to have an inward confidence that does not change from our outward circumstances. God gave us infinite worth and infinite value at dust. And there should be no clouds in our vision of who we are because God made it very clear when he defined us. We're going to move on to verse 8. It says, now the Lord God had planted a garden. He planted a what? A garden. In the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. It says that God put the man in the garden. Now, this garden, it symbolized communion. It symbolized this intimate relationship with God. It symbolized physical closeness. It symbolized this place where Adam and Eve lived and they had everything they ever wanted, everything they ever desired. There was nothing that they lacked. There was no deficit. But, there's a but. 
When sin came into the world, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they had to leave the garden. There was a consequence to them disobeying God. They had to leave that intimate communion with God and go into a world that was nothing like they had ever experienced. They had to leave this physical closeness and go into a world where they were far from God. In the garden, God had walked with them and he talked with them. And now there was this distance between themselves and God and they were surrounded by imperfection and sin and hurt and evil. Something had been taken away from them and they longed to get that back. A couple months ago, um, I had a little bit of an off week. Now, I don't know if any of you guys, um, do your minds just like run and run and run and never stop running? Anybody with me? Because like my mind just runs and runs and runs and it never stops running. And usually it's not about anything in particular, um, but this week it was. And to be honest, it was about Harrison. Now, my mind was just like completely consumed by these thoughts and by these complaints and by these questions about Harrison. And it was so consumed that I felt as if I needed to write them down. Like, that means it was consumed. Like, I felt like I needed them to be addressed. And so after the week ended, I came to Harrison with my notepad. And I asked him if we could schedule a meeting to talk about what I had to talk about. I thought that if I kind of like let him know that I had something, but like did it tomorrow maybe, then it would give him like a little bit of like leeway. But Harrison hates writing things down. He hates schedule meetings and he hates doing things in perfect timing. So it was not a good start to the conversation. So I tried another strategy. I asked him first if there was anything that I could improve on. The bad thing is that he said no. I then asked him if there was anything that I did that annoyed him. He said no. Then I asked him if there was anything um, that I could do better. He said no. I asked him if he was happy. He said absolutely. It was then really awkward bringing out my notepad with all of these things on it that I felt like I needed to address. But throughout the conversation, I realized something. As soon as the words started coming out of my mouth to Harrison, I realized that there was a desire within me that was not being satisfied, and I was blaming it on Harrison. I was blaming it on the person closest to me. I felt as if I needed this, this validation, this fulfillment, that there was just like something missing. And what I did was that I blamed it on the person closest to me. There is something within me that needed to be fulfilled by God, but I blamed it on Harrison. This is the consequence of sin. Write this down. It's our second point. Don't look to outward solutions to fix your inner problems. Don't look to outward solutions to fix your inner problems. How many times in our lives have we felt this want this desire, just this aching for something more, even if you're living in your dream life, just this feeling like there has to be something more. And instead of taking a step towards God, we turn the other way and we try to satisfy it with a relationship, with a boyfriend, with a girlfriend, with a hookup, with a marriage, whatever our counterfeit is, we turn the other way. So I want to take us back to the garden for a minute. So imagine, we leave this perfect garden where we have everything we want into a world where we no longer have anything we want. 
from perfection to imperfection. However, since we have this innate awareness of perfection within us, we long for what we once had. And in longing for what we once had, we chase every possible counterfeit to try to satisfy that feeling. This is the central part of, this is the central issue of relationships. We act as if they're a replacement, something that will fill that need within us. We put a pressure on them that they were never meant to bear. They're good, but they're not God. It's like this. My first year of university, I met a boy named Harrison. I also met a couple of other boys that will remain unnamed. And the first time I met Harrison, he literally set a standard that was never reached from that moment on. I trialed a couple times to see if anybody could make me feel that way, but it never happened. And I was let down and dissatisfied, and I was left just longing for what Harrison gave me. Because listen to this. When you experience the best, nothing will ever be able to take its place. No matter how many times or things you try, nothing can replace what's best. Anything we try to put in the place of God will leave us disappointed. Now, I was thinking, why would God allow us to go into a world where there is no perfection, where there is no answer to the desire within our hearts, but leave us with the desire that we once had in Eden? But listen, this awareness, this innate desire and want within us is what will lead us back to God. Because God is the only thing that can satisfy that longing in our hearts. And thank goodness that God is a kind and compassionate and patient God. And no, how, no matter how many counterfeits we put into our lives, no matter how many times we trial other things, no matter how broken or lonely or lost we are, as soon as we take that first step back, back to God, he is just there with his arms wide open, waiting to heal our brokenness, waiting to validate, validate us and give us purpose willing to love us unconditionally and fill us with this everlasting and overwhelming joy. And as we continue to take these steps towards God, sometimes running because that desire within us can be so, so strong, he is wanting to show us what a life lived with him can do, that it's better than anything we've ever imagined or dreamt of, better than any bachelorette story or fairy tale, he is the only one that will satisfy. And when we're able to see that God gives us everything we need, we're able to see relationships for what they were created to be. So if we know that God is the only thing that can fully fill us, how do we take that step towards him? We do a complete reboot. Let's look at the language that Genesis uses. It says, God planted a garden in the east. God planted. He what? He planted a garden in the east. The gospel, the good news, is that even though sin caused us to leave the garden of Eden, it did not cause us to leave, did not cause us to lose the ability to be in communion with God. The gap that was once there is no longer there because Jesus died for us, and we have the ability to walk and to talk with God here and now. But how do we do that? We begin by planting. We begin by planting. We begin with putting one small seed into the soil and then another. 
Maybe it's a reboot. Maybe it's redefining the relationships in our lives. Maybe it's just looking at them. Maybe it is healing that brokenness, dealing with that brokenness. Maybe it's praying or opening up your Bible. We begin with planting seeds and committing to those seeds. And one day, after we have planted, we will reap the harvest. We will reap the harvest in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our lives. Whatever we plant, we will reap. And I can promise you that if you're not harvesting what you want right now, it's because you're not planting the seeds that you need. Our last verse, verse 18, says this. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So what's the point of relationships if our value comes from God and if we are fully fulfilled by God? Let's see what the Bible says. It says, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a soulmate for him. I'll make a perfect match, a soul-satisfying... It says, a suitable helper. A suitable helper. I want you to see something. This word helper, it's used in the Bible to describe God 66 times. It's used to describe his strength, his power, his protection, him being a rescuer. God is the only thing we need, but he has given us helpers in this life to help us along the way. And relationships is one of those. The trials, the conflicts, the battles, the communication, the forgiveness, the joys, the celebrations within relationships are what bring us closer to God. My marriage, my friendships, our church, our small groups, these are in our lives to make us more holy, to fulfill our calling, to refine us, to polish us, to help and be a help. God is establishing his kingdom here on earth through us. And even though we were never meant, even though we were never designed to meet the deep soul needs of another human being, we were designed with the ability to help them find the one who can. I want to close by looking at John 14, 16. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. Another helper to be with you forever. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he's telling them that God will give them the Holy Spirit. That is this another helper, the Holy Spirit. God is saying, it wasn't enough just to give you a suitable helper. I'm gonna give you myself. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you something that will live within you, that will take over your life if you allow it, and allow you to thrive in your relationships. God is saying, the suitable helper isn't enough. I'm giving you myself. Relationships are good, but they're not God. So God himself gave us the Holy Spirit. He is saying, with the Holy Spirit, you can thrive in the relationships in your lives because I will fill your deepest desires. You can now experience what once you had, what you once had in that Garden of Eden, that closeness, that intimate relationship with God. You can now experience it because I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to fulfill those deepest needs. I'm bridging the gap. Meaning even if I'm alone and I'm not surrounded by people, I'm enough. 
I have enough because the Holy Spirit is living within me. I can live my best life because God is within me. We can only live in relationships the way where they were created to be if we have God living within us. If we don't, we're living in something that was created by somebody that we don't even know. God is building his kingdom through each and every one of us. And I believe that God wants us to start planting a seed today, to choose to ask God for a reboot so that we can start from scratch, that we can experience what it is like to be valued, not by who's around us or who we're with, but by God, because God defined us, to experience what it is like to have that deepest desire within you fully fulfilled, and to be able to experience the power and the potential that relationships have because we already have everything that we need. Let's make a decision to start planting today, to ask God into our lives and into our relationships, to reboot today. Let's just end in prayer. Dear Jesus, just thank you that we are here this morning. Thank you that you have clearly defined us, that you have given us purpose and value in this life and that you have satisfied that deepest desire within us. We thank you for relationships and we pray that from this moment on, we would just be able to start fresh, that we would just be able to see that you are the only one that can satisfy us and nothing else in this world can. We love you, amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, if you've decided to follow Jesus, we encourage you to head over to kingdomchurch.ca right now and connect with us. We can't wait to get to know you. Until next time.